I needed to do it to see for myself whether I would be able to attract people who don't know me. Yeah. Okay. If strangers start believing in you and in your vision, then I think it's a proof point and I needed that. So we could have had more people who knew me to come on board, but I wanted the second set of people to come on board in this round. Welcome to the Building to Scale podcast, where we bring real entrepreneur stories that showcase the challenges and successes in building and scaling an entrepreneurial business. Our host, Jeff Chastain, is a business transformation coach with Admentis, where he coaches business leaders and their teams with a proven set of principles and tools, helping them gain clarity in and get more of what they want from their business. Make sure to stick around until the end of the show, and we will reveal how you can become our next guest. Hello, everybody. Jeff Chastain here with the Building the Scale podcast, where I get the opportunity, really, as I've said before, just to meet and, and talk with interesting people, interesting business entrepreneurs as they've grown and scaled their business over the years. So today's guest with me here is Puneet Sharma with Maxed S. So I'm going to let him jump in and explain a little bit more about that, how that got started here. But Puneet, first off, thank you for taking a bit out of your day here and talking to us. Thank you, Jeff. Very, very happy to be here. Thank so, you. So I can see some sun coming through there. It looks like reasonable weather up in, up in Chicago right now. It is a beautiful, beautiful day. We are looking forward to spring, and I guess you guys are too. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm definitely glad to be on this side of winter, hopefully. I think we've got our last <laughs> blast down here in Dallas. And this year, it was a, it was a big one, but I'm, I'm hoping we'll, we're beyond that for sure. No, that's I'm like, sorry, I'm laughing. Texas is famous around the world for its winter this year. Yeah, no, it's it's been it's been fun, but I know temperatures like that are no big deal to you up there. But down here, it's <laughs> like we were saying earlier. It's that's 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 a big deal down here for sure. We're not used to seeing that kind of cold. Indeed, indeed. So, tell us. I would say we were we were talking a little bit beforehand, but tell me a little bit more about Max S and what you got going on there these days. So we are in the business of. We want to be your complete front end. If you are in B two B tech startup space where you want to sell to Fortune 500, instead of you setting up your entire front end on the sales engine side, you can work with us. If you are doing something of your own, you can still work with us where we can help you accelerate. Our model is sort of fashioned around AWS, which is you can start small. And as you see results, you scale up. So that entire stack, which is needed from a sales perspective, right down from researching your prospect, to setting up meetings with your prospects, to then holding those meetings and doing proposals and demos and closures and negotiations, everything comes from us soups to nuts. Oh, wow. Okay. So okay. I had, what we were talking about is this is still fairly new operation. So how did, how did you make that transition? Because I know we were talking about beforehand, you didn't come necessarily from the entrepreneurial or the, the small business realm. You came out of, out of emphasis here for a lot of years. So how did you make that that jump here to say, hey, I'm going to leave the big corporate world and go start a new company? Jeff, I saw the light late. Unlike you, who worked in a <laughs> big corporate <laughs> and you jumped uh, first. Uh, in my case, I worked for Infosys, a $12 billion revenue and a $70 billion market cap firm. Amazing company, worked there for 20 years. And I did nothing but just one thing. And I think I did it reasonably well, which is help Infosys strike relationship with Fortune 500. That's all I did. And uh, as I looked at what I want to do, I realized this skill has 
sort of a need in a different space, which is B2B tech startup space. And I'd been noodling on this for a while and spent a couple of years. Unlike you, I needed to sort of develop that kind of self-confidence. So took some time, uh, figured that out, and then took the plunge. Yeah, well, that's a lot of thing I'll, I'll see with a lot of startups, a lot of entrepreneurs kind of thing is that transition. But yeah, I, I didn't, it took a while myself. I, I was doing a lot of side work still with HP long before I ever ever pulled the trigger and jumped there. But so I, I know where you're coming from, but yeah, it's 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 not an easy jump for that matter because I was still, I think I still, I still had a one-year-old at that point and one on the way. So we were... We were crazy sitting there saying, hey, we're going to leave the corporate salary and, and go do startup. But it worked out looking back at it. So, Oh, so are you still married to the same person? Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is one of the advice I got Okay, from a lot of friends who had become uh, startup founders that make sure your life partner is with you on this because this can get stressful. So far, every day is an amazing day, but... I am looking at you and you look hale and healthy too. <laughs> well, it's it's definitely been a journey, but I think we'll find that or you'll find that if you hadn't already with business. A lot of people look at it as, as you're growing or scaling and say, okay, if I can just reach that next milestone, we'll be good. If I can just figure it out, we'll be good. And the reality, unfortunately, is it's it's a series of up and downs all the time that just because you you got over that next hill, there's probably a, a value of that. Ah, if I can talk, a valley or a storm coming kind of things. It's... And that's that's where I look at it a lot of times is saying business foundation is saying, hey, you got to have the strength. You got to have whether it's your partner, whether it's just the, the systems, et cetera, in business, you got to be ready to weather whatever the next storm is, whether it's a, a global pandemic or just a, a key employee or something like that. So I'm curious kind of more about your transition, obviously, saw the outside need at that point. What's been the the change in your your role or your kind of day-to-day -day going from obviously being inside of a big corporate to now being in charge of the, the, the corporate and the company? Yes, I am. As in when we say that we are the soups to nuts for our clients, I am the soups to nuts for our organization. So right from the janitor <laughs> to the guy who's taking calls on these legal terms to agree to, uh, it's everything like that. But so far, it's been fantastic and good fun. Yeah. No, and that's the case most, especially the, the early days startups, is you really are handling that kind of a thing. So I'm curious what the what the longer-term picture is, what the longer-term vision of, of Max Heads right now is. So our our immediate, fu immediate future that we look at is we already got five paying clients signed up, and we have a subscription plus commission model. Uh, as the word of mouth spreads, uh, we are hoping that we should have at least 100 by the time this year is over. Uh, we have a longer term vision where we want to bring in a bit more of AI and machine learning into the art of selling, right? Pretty much everybody you talk to, and they actually call it art of selling. They all yep. think selling is an art. And my belief, and I'm a technologist at heart, my belief is this is one field that has not been disrupted from the use of technology and AI and ML, which is disrupting pretty much every industry around you and IGF. Okay. So that's our part two. Part two, I want to keep it under the wraps right now for obvious reasons, but uh, that's where we want to go. So what's it been 
like from a, a process standpoint at this point? Because I think you said you've got, you're up to 12 employees already. Yes. Barely a year into this. So even most people would look at that and say, hey, between the customer base and the income you've got, as well as the employee base, you're scaling and running pretty fast here. So what's that, what's that journey been like? Or is that? So I, I can share some numbers. So in we launched about six weeks ago, uh, 17th of Feb. And uh, we crossed about half a million dollar of ARR, about 12 employees. And uh, I, I think there is a part of me which says that we need to slow down a bit. But then remember, our model exists like an AWS, where the bigger the base is, more efficient we become. Yeah. So we need to do both. Make sure the clients who have trusted us and have put their faith in us because they are looking at us as a solution to a problem of hyper growth. Okay. We need to serve them well and we need to do justice by them. At the same time, ensure that our business becomes more and more efficient and more and more scalable so that we can serve them better. Makes sense. So what's been your kind of uh, basis on, on hiring? Was that just straight out of the gate? Hey, we need to go. You knew exactly who you were going to hire or how many, or was this been kind of a, a slower... I know you said so, you just launched, but I was say you've been around working with this for yes, year plus or so now, right? I have. So I'm sort of lying when I say that we launched on 17th of Feb, as in that's when we officially signed contracts and launched, but I've been working on it for a while. And uh, it took me a lot of time to do the basic groundwork in terms of talking to executives and Fortune 500 contacts of mine that I worked with and the sales talent as well. So remember, this is something I have done for 20 years. So I have reasonably good idea of what's a good sales talent. Initial set of folks who came on board were people I knew and I'd worked with. Okay. And uh, as we built that base, then we also reached out to the market and we were fortunate enough uh, for and thankful to people who came on board. These are gentlemen and ladies who worked for 15, 20 years in sales and have sold into Fortune 500 firms. So they took some time to understand our model. And once they did, not everybody came on board incidentally. Uh, but the ones who did are having a good time. And uh, we're very, very thankful they are here with us. Yeah. Well, that's interesting that you've already hit. Because I know a lot of people typically will start out with their immediate network right there. That, okay, we've worked with you in the past. We know you kind of think it's, a, it's an easier sell. But it's right. interesting to hear that you've already jumped outside of that bubble as well it, it, it was so while i am in sales which is the most impulsive and high risk area but by nature i'm a very cautious and sort of plan ahead kind of guy so i needed to do it to see for myself whether i would be able to attract people who don't know me yeah okay if strangers start believing in you and in your vision then i think it's a proof point and i needed that so we could have had more people who knew me to come on board, but I wanted the second set of people to come on board in this round itself. Well, that makes sense. And I was talking to somebody just recently who was saying, yeah, we want some of those outside people to come on board just to bring in outside ideas, outside thinking, whereas Correct. most of the time our inner circle honestly probably thinks pretty well in line with us right there. Correct. There you go. I think we we think we should have met sooner, Jeff. <laughs> Always there, yeah. No. Yeah. So... Um, looking at that, what has mm -hmm. been, is, oh, let me clarify that, has been most of the hires and everything been just purely in your lane in sales? Or are you looking at, what, what, what's your company structure look like in terms of your own sales marketing probably is covered pretty well, but you've got operations back in kind of stuff right. like that. 
yeah, yeah, yeah. So phase one, about 80% of the team is sales and sales related, the background research and the calling setup and contracts and all. There is 20% which is administrative in terms of sending out invoices and doing all the cool things you and I don't dabble in. But yeah. uh, there are people we are thankful for who are helping us out. Phase two is the one where we have AI, ML and technology coming in. That's a different team that we are building. Okay. Yeah. Because that'll be that'll be heavy technology team. That, that's all. That point, yeah, gotcha. So I'm curious. Obviously, since you're kind of in this market, anyways, what's the mm -hmm. look at uh, hiring internal versus outsourcing or bringing in outsource resources, kind of a thing like that? Because you're obviously talking at, at at tech startups, things like that, to to bring this in. So what's the what would you say to obviously a CEO saying, "Hey, I need to grow out my team. There's areas of my business that I'm not an expert in." Or do I go hire that versus outsource it at that point? I, that, that's a very, very good question. It comes up. My, my philosophy on this is if you are a startup, you as a founder or as a founding team need to do most of, most of those things on your own for the initial part of your journey. You should be the janitor and you should be the lawyer and you should be the negotiator. You should be the accountant. You should know soup soonness of how your business needs to be built up. But as you grow and scale up, that's the time you will need to get an outside janitor because it is not the best use of your time to be cleaning your own floors, right? Same thing, same thing holds true for various parts of your businesses. So vis-a-vis -vis us, you as a founder or founding team should handle and make sure you do your initial 5, 10, 15 customer acquisitions. You should know your own product market fit. You should know why people are buying your product or your solution. Once you have a good theory on that, where we help is help you accelerate faster. We can't create your product market fit. That is something you need to do on your own. Okay. But once you've got your 5, 10, 15 in, you know you have something cool. You know you, this is amazing. That's when you come to us and then we can help you go a lot faster. That makes sense. And it's interesting you say it that way, because that's very parallel to what I'll tell a lot of companies as well, that I'll have okay. startups come to me and say, hey, yeah, we want to lay in all these systems. It's like, great that you're wanting to lay in the foundation. You're thinking that far ahead, but you don't have a market fit yet. You don't have a product that's out in market right now. You don't necessarily, technically you've got a business, but you don't really have a business until you know that there's a sales and a marketing fit out there. So get that part running before you start investing and granted, don't say you're, you may be the same way, being technology, being systems person. We love the infrastructure. We love Correct. the foundation, putting that kind of stuff in. And I, I had several businesses early on that I spent way too much money in making sure operations was absolutely perfect yes. for a million customers. And we didn't even have a number one in the door yet. Kind of a thing. <laughs> so it's, it's, I, I still run into those myself. And that's that's kind of it's like, I, I, I'm great that you want to do this, but come back and visit me in six months or a year after you've got like you said, your first five customers in there kind of a thing and make sure you, right. you really got a business there. Right. And it's, it's, a, it's a struggle for sure. Cause I, I know we talked beforehand, it's like sales is not my forte. I, I don't like getting out and doing that side of the business. I'd much rather coach people, but it's, it's still, you got to work in areas of the business that are outside of your forte, especially in the early parts. Correct. 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 I, I think, I think we agree. So come to us, when you have scaled to a point where it's looking like a reasonable business, then we can help. Yeah, no, definitely so. 
So I'm curious, um, looking at this, I know we were talking about uh, a little bit of vision. What's your what's your bigger picture of, I know you, without going into details or your second phase plan or whatever, what's what's the uh, future look like for kind of outsourced resources or outsourced companies kind of like this? Are you, are you obviously this is your business, so I'm, I'm expecting you think it's a, a good future, but what, what are you thinking in terms of what's, what's the future look like there? Can I can I go go a bit philosophical here, Jeff, with your sure. permission? Okay. You look at some of the recent successes we have seen around us, right? So there's a firm called Stripe that just became a $90 billion valuation story in Valley, right? Stripe got its start not by helping an Amazon or a Walmart simplify payment. They got its start by helping those innovators, those disruptors who are trying to create a new business, making their life easier. Okay. And, uh, and we can go on story after story like that, right? AWS became big. If you remember 15 years ago, and I happened to be on a call with Andy Jesse, who was running AWS at that time. They became big not because they were helping a Netflix or Costco or somebody else run their operation. They weren't, those guys were not even touching AWS. Yeah. The people AWS was helping were people who were again trying to disrupt, create something cool. All right. So that is my philosophical belief. And 15 years to now, that if you are doing something which helps the innovators, the amazing people who are trying to create something new, you will learn a lot of cool stuff and you will also help create a lot of value. So in my thinking, as long as we keep doing that, I think we'll be around and we'll do something good. No, it, it makes a lot of sense because I, I do remember the early days of AWS and it was almost more the, I actually look at a, a platform like that and credit for a lot of the ease of getting into business these days. That it, You go back 20 years ago, it was a lot harder to start, especially a tech firm kind of a thing because you're not only having to write the software, but you're having to build your own server infrastructure. You're having to build all the, you're having to lay all the foundation. And now we just go up to AWS or Google or whoever and say, hey, rent me a server for a little bit. I'm, I'm so glad I met you. So 20 years ago, I was running the development track for Infosys Amex JV. So Infosys and American Express were running a joint venture called Workadia. The product from that was a hosted intranet, right? So we we're going to create a hosted intranet. Remember 2000 days? That's what all cool kids were doing. Yep. So I was running the BD track. And first check that I wrote, was for $2 million to AT&T, okay? For precisely what you just described. This is before we even wrote a single line of code because we needed somebody to set up a data center or a colo and then put servers and software and network and hardware. Today, you go to AWS. Yeah, and it's, so, it makes it in a lot of ways a whole lot easier to jump into business, which is a double-edged sword, I will say, kind of thing. It's, it's almost too easy in some respects. You can jump in there and then, start something up and spend a whole bunch of money with AWS or spend a whole bunch of money on, on Google ads or whatever kind of a thing real easy without, again, having the product in place. But at the same time, it does make it, it lowers the barrier of entry in a lot of areas where you just don't have the resources. And, and, and if you will let me continue in the philosophical bent here, think of what it does to us as a nation, what it does to as an economy, right? Now you suddenly have a lot of amazing guys who do not have parental connections and big names backing them up, who have an amazing idea, 
get into AWS, buy some Google ads, off you go. Yeah. So we as a country, we have always been a country which has led with innovation, right? Suddenly we become hyper innovative. So I, I see it as an amazing thing. No, I definitely do too. Uh, we've talked to a number of different business owners in the technology field on the podcast, and it's a lot of uh, leveraging blockchain functionality or leveraging AI functionality, things like that, that they don't have to put in a whole lot of the infrastructure investment kind of a thing like that. Right. And it's it's been the the easy birth of their company that's three or four years old, not that old of a company, but still the fact that they're being able to move forward as fast as they are and, and without the the big VC and integrate or uh, funding and stuff like that, that you're talking about kind of thing. So it's, it's making it a lot easier to get a lot of the things on the market that we've seen today. It's. And I, I want to do a plug for you here, Jeff. I just hit me. You are doing exactly the same thing for these startups coming up because before you, they would have to figure out how to hire a PR agency and get the media exposure. It, it really is. So it's, it's, it's that side. And it's even, even what I look at, cause that's my passion in business. I, I look at the companies I started 10, 15 years ago and the struggle at that point, because again, my expertise at that point was technology. And wait a minute, we got to do sales and marketing. We got to do accounting. We got to do all this mess. How do you build a business? And it's interesting because I've talked to a number of people that have MBA backgrounds, business backgrounds. It's like, okay, it still doesn't translate into this world. That was that was a lot of book knowledge, a lot of theoretical knowledge. Now, once you're the CEO having to sweep the floors and everything else, like, okay, what is my what did my MBA teach me about how to build this team and organize this team. And it very rarely does. It, it sounds like. Indeed. So I'm curious what that, what that growth kind of looks like from your perspective in terms of, are, are you still at the stage where you've kind of got your hands in everything, holding on to everything, or are you to the stage where, okay, yeah, we can start delegating out and trusting, handing off pieces of the business to your team. Oh, so, so the way I have operated and whatever little success I've had, is mainly because I was lucky enough to work with people uh, who you could trust. And so pretty much everybody that works with us has complete authority, again, from top to bottom on everything they're responsible for. So if there is somebody who is uh, working with a client and we have a team of two or three people, we appoint one person as a overall uh, point of contact. That person has a complete authority to do and take any decision that is needed in the interest of business. Okay. They don't come to me. We have that trust. And that was part of the contract when they come on board saying that the best way to do this is to have complete authority and complete autonomy. Interesting. Yeah. That's, that's not something you see very often because it's, it's typically the entrepreneur trying to wrap their hands around everything and maintain control of everything. And that's, I look at it and say, that's actually your, by the time you're hitting 10, 15 employees and you're still doing that, you're strangling your own company kind of a thing there. So it's interesting to hear that you've already been able to, to hire the right people and relinquish some of that right off do the you, bat. Do, do you remember reading this book, uh, Reed Hastings book that came out last year, uh, the Netflix founder? Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So he wrote this book and he described the Netflix culture. It's amazing. In their culture, a guy who's been, and he talks about this anecdote, where a guy who's been just hired as a country manager for Brazil doesn't need to check with headquarters on anything. He can sign $100 million contracts on his own. Okay. Yep. And I'm reading that book and going and saying, all right, if this works for these guys, 
Okay. So it is a fantastic philosophy to live by. And just think of the empowerment that guy in Brazil would feel, right? Suddenly you come from a big, and you and I work for big corporates. Those are amazing companies, but probably not possible <laughs> like that. No, and, I, and honestly, I, going back to that, that was probably one of the key reasons I, I left at that point was it was just like, okay, you're just another, there, there's no empowerment. There's, there's no, you're just part of the big machine at that point. I, I wanted to have that flexibility, kind of a thing like that. And you've got to have, you got to have that. You've already talked some of it about having your team bought into what you're doing, have your team have the flexibility and the, the empowerment to go forward with that kind of a thing. So it's, it's really, that to me is one of the biggest keys there of being able to grow is that, okay, yeah, everybody's bought in. Everybody's on this, this boat that's trained together kind of a thing here. And we really believe about it going forward. We're not here just for a job for a paycheck kind of a thing there. Correct. Correct. So that's, I think that's interesting. Have a very similar philosophy on this. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with it. And yeah, it's, it's like I said, interesting to hear that you're already at that stage at that phase, this early kind of a thing. Cause that's usually one area I find a lot of people struggle with is being able to hand off some of that and, and trusting that, okay, yes, your team can, can go get in front of the client, make the deal that we need to make without everything coming back and running through you first. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And and it is so freeing from a scale perspective because they also feel the sense of empowerment. Just this weekend, we had a client uh, negotiating on a payment term. Okay, And we basically told our person that you are the lead. You, It's your call. You can agree to whatever you want. And that's how it works. Nice, yeah. And I, and I think the long term, that's you probably already realized it, but the long term, that's going to benefit you there. Just to, okay. if nothing else, it takes things off of your plate where you're not sitting there having to keep everything juggled yourself. Moreover, I think you you want to treat people the way you want to be treated. And this is the only way to live that uh, philosophy. Oh, absolutely. No yeah. Other way. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm really excited to see where you guys end up and where you guys come out here and in, in your second phase here that you're coming along or are things going because it sounds like it sounds like you got a lot of the pieces in place already so it'll be it'll be interesting to see for sure. It's been beginner's luck and God has been kind. People have been very nice, so, but it's a very very exciting time to be doing this. Yeah, well, it's it's a fun time in business I think overall right now. So, well, I keep going with conversations like this. I can keep going for all, all, all day long, but I know people won't listen that long. Um, always like coming back at the end and just kind of wrapping up with a, a simple question to say, hey, yeah, if you were looking back three or four years, five years, whatever the time frame was and said, hey, if I had just tried this sooner, done this sooner, whatever, might've made things a little bit easier or might things look a little bit differently today. Anything come to mind that way or any, any I, one I, or two things? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think if I had met you sooner, I would have started sooner, Jeff. That's, that's what I hear from a lot of entrepreneurs just saying, yeah. hey, if I had taken the chance, taken the challenge, taken the jump a little bit earlier kind of a thing. Correct. So that, that's what I feel. It's been, uh, it's been a fantastic journey. You get to work with interesting sort of people, uh, interesting set of challenges and uh, from various kind of activities that you do. But I wish we had done it sooner. I wish we had met sooner. Well, I appreciate it. And I always love talking with people. But yeah, that's it's it's definitely a a challenge right there from going from the corporate side to the the startup side because you've got you got the paycheck you got the benefits everything corporate but at the same time I, I've told this story before I literally got to the point with with there where I was we were in a two person 
cube, two-person office kind of a thing for everybody. And I was to the point where I was waiting for my office mate to leave every day so that I could leave and not be the first one out the door kind of a thing. It's like, you, you know, you're miserable at that point. Oh like, leaving that is, is, is stressful. So I, I get it. I get it. Been there, done that. But yeah, it's, it's a challenge to pull that trigger and say, hey, we're actually going to make this jump, make this leap. But Have looking you- back, it's, it's been ups and downs, but still, I wouldn't trade it for sure. I think in your origin story, Jeff, that mate plays a big part. Have you gone and met her, like thanked her for being there? Yeah, you just get get tired of it. Yeah, but it's and that's really the difference. It's and and I'm not. I was actually talking to somebody earlier. It's like I'm not anti big corporation by any means. There's it's a definite role for certain personalities. Some personalities like being some part of a, a bigger machine, bigger system at that point. Whereas some personalities, we've got more of the the visionary streak here, the the shiny object chasing that we can't handle being cooped up for too long. So it's it's just personality basis at that point. I think God has made all kinds. And at some point in your life, you want to be this and you want to be that. And that's the beauty of life. Well, it's that. And really, honestly, as business owners, we're looking for those people that want to work for somebody else as well. So it's it's they're, they're going to be a good fit for us as well. Indeed. And indeed. You, you didn't answer my question. Have you gone back and found that maid, the one you used to wait for before you left for the day? No, we haven't had contact in, like I said, it's been 20 years now. So I've, I have no idea what he's up to these days. But yeah, okay. that was those were fun days. <laughs> very, very nice. Now, I appreciate the time, appreciate the insight. And like I said, I, I look forward to seeing and hearing what you guys have got going here in the next few years as this continues to hopefully grow and scale the way it has been. Jeff, thank you. It's been a fantastic and enjoyable conversation. Thank you, and I wish you a good rest of the All day. Right. Good day. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Building to Scale podcast. If you would like to share your entrepreneurial business growth story, please visit buildingtoscale.com slash guest. If you got something out of this interview, would you do both us and our guest a favor and share it on your social media accounts? Don't forget to hit subscribe in your player so that you don't miss any future episodes and make sure to reach out to Jeff Chastain on any of the major social media networks or check us out at admentis.com.